Hey guys, and uh, welcome to this week's Prestige Podcast. Unlike our usual podcasts, it's just me this week. Sam's off on his travels, as he mentioned. So rather than just me rambling about a film for half an hour, I thought we'd do something a little differently. So what I've done is I've called upon some of our friends from other podcasts in our network, and I've got them all to kind of review a little film for us, to give us a, a few-minute overview of uh, things they're watching and what they've been up to recently. So without further ado, I will hand you over to Colin from Scaretruck. <laughs> Hi, this is Colin and Sarah from Scare Track, the UK Scare Attraction podcast. Now, we are reviewing It Follows, the uh, horror film by director David Robert Mitchell. We went to see it at the cinema, and it's fair to say we absolutely loved the film. And we've been waiting for it to come out on Blu-ray. And it just so happens that it came out today. Yeah, it, it's been really interesting to watch it again. I was a little bit worried that some of the ideas in the film would be spoiled somewhat, having seen it already. But I've got to admit, I really, really enjoyed watching it a second time. Yeah, well, essentially the premise is that there's a curse which is passed on at the same as a sexually transmitted disease. So when the curse is passed on, there's a, a wraith-type creature who is drawn into the curse and it's, it follows you as if you were a victim, prey almost. Now, the wraith has the ability to turn into anybody, whether it be a stranger, a friend, a family member, in its pursuit to get to you. So you would never know in a crowd of people which one would be the one that follows you, essentially. That's kind of the cool bit about the film as well because you um, you actually end up watching the the background of the of, of the scenes more than the actors very much so i mean one of the nice things about it is it is such a strong simple plot line and that allows you to fully enjoy the rest of the film and take it all in look at the scenery whilst you're waiting for what follows you're also taking in all the other parts of it the score the scenery everything from there too I mean, it's um, it's really well written and and well acted as well. The most of the actors, I don't think I I recognised from anything else, um, which was kind of nice. And also in that sense, it makes it feel more believable because the the people aren't Hollywood actors. You don't go, oh, that's this person, or that's that person, and that will remove you from the moment. It's nice to be able to just be drawn purely into the story and not have to think of what else they've been in, what you've seen them in. The film itself actually reminded me of a lot of films that I watched when I was growing up at college. Films from the late 70s, early 80s. The soundtrack definitely lends itself from uh, from films like Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Nightmare on Elm Street. Definitely. It's got that electronic soundtrack from those films. It feels like it's got an almost timeless feel. It feels very much like it's going back to the old days of Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, all of those classic films. But it also is quite modern in the sense that you don't feel like you're watching an old film, you feel like you're watching a very up-to-date film that harks back to those classic eras. Certainly watching it a second time, it you get certain things a little bit more, I found. You see so much more in it, to be honest with you. You notice a lot of things where your mind was preoccupied with looking in the background purely for the ray. Now you look at it, you see where the wraith is, and you can take a lot more into it. You can see... A lot more in the soundtrack is just something that really gets into your skin, gets under your skin, and it still surprises you. You still have the feeling of fear that even though you've seen it before, it brings it all back, and it's almost like a reminiscent fear. So it's it's quite an interesting feeling, actually. The cliche that gets branded about very very often is a roller coaster ride of a film. This is the 
ultimate kind of description of this film almost in a way. It does have peaks and troughs. You have moments of quiet. You have moments of full-on action and terror. It it does really send you through a bit of a loop. It's um it's incredibly intelligent as well. It's probably one of my favourite horror films of this last year. Um, it's intelligent so much more so than the likes of Insidious and all the big budget films that come out. Not to slag those off in their own right. But I, I do think it's an entirely different genre. I think it works really well um, in its own right. But I much prefer, like you say, the classics, the, the films that have this same genre. Yeah, it's gritty. It's less polished. It's everything I like in a horror film, to be honest. And just going back to seeing it at the cinema, we actually saw a really late showing of it. And we left to a pretty, pretty empty car park. With a view of a woodland, which was just awful (laughs) (laughs) and yeah pretty much spent the whole time just sort of looking over our shoulders as we tried to to get into the car that a little bit quicker desperately searching through the trees thinking oh my god it's gonna follow me (laughs) (laughs) but there you go um i hope you enjoy it follows as much as we did um it's it's great fun just go into it with an open mind and i i really hope you'll love it okay so we've been colin and sarah we do the monthly scare trap podcast which focuses focuses on UK scare attractions and I hear you cry what the hell is a scare attraction well if you like horror and you've ever wondered what it would be like to be in your very own horror movie check us out I think you'd really enjoy it Um, you'll find us in all the usual podcasting locations such as Stitcher and iTunes and you'll find us by searching for scare track everywhere else including Facebook Instagram Twitter and Periscope Hello, I am Chris from the Need to Consume podcast, Three Bods, One Pod. Um, I'm here to give you a quick review of Pan's Labyrinth from 2006 by Guillermo del Toro. Um, It was my last film in my 1330, if anyone followed that, where I tried to watch 30 films in 30 days. I didn't quite manage that exactly, it took me nearly two months, um, but I gave it my, my best shot, and this was the last one in the list, partially because it was subtitled, so I needed to give it full attention, whereas some of the films I did watch um, while doing other things sometimes, um, which is a little bit guilty of me. Um, to be honest, I did watch it with subtitles, subtitles don't bother me, I think you should probably watch the film in its purest form, and I... Th- and I badly dubbed films kind of irritate me um the film was darker than i expected there was a lot more um death than i was expecting the film to have um and it seemed to be a lot um harsher than i think i was expecting entirely i was expecting a lot more fantasy a lot more kind of um i suppose yeah fantasy and things like that and, and not quite the realism that it has such as the the torture scene um that you don't really see a lot of but you definitely see the aftermath um, and I didn't also expect to see um, quite so many guns going off in people's faces and things like that. Um, I thought the uh, the VFX were particularly good for... Well, the VFX and the SFX um, particularly good for 2006. I thought um, a lot of the visual effects, there wasn't really anything that you could spot as being poor um, or kind of shady. I think a lot of it was um, special effects in camera, which I think is always a better way to go, personally. Uh, it always seems to work out as a, a longer... A longer um, something that looks a lot better in in the future, um, and I think that was definitely a standout for it. Um, personally, I really enjoyed the story. I thought it was a fantastic film. Um, even with having to read subtitles, it was absolutely no problem whatsoever following what was going on um, and enjoying the story uh, as a whole. I did, however, find that Ophelia um, 
uh, played by Ivana, uh, I think I'm going to butcher this, Beccaro. Um She was a fantastic performance, especially for um, an 11-year-old. The only bit that did irritate me was when she starts eating grapes, when she's told exactly not, or she's told defiantly not to eat or drink anything in the... Um, through the, the doorway that she draws with a, with chalk. Um, she was told not to eat or drink anything, and she very quickly eats something, which I thought was quite irritating, personally. Um, that angered me, but I think that's that's, that's probably a good thing, because I think that's probably the idea that they want, is you want, they want you to be annoyed at her for doing that, and, and then that triggers, obviously, the um, the monster with its with eyes in its hands to uh, chase after her, which is it's quite a, um, a bit of a nerve-wracking scene, in a way, because it's clearly quite a, a horrible monster when he starts to rip the fairy's heads off with his mouth. And uh, lastly, I think the um, the cinematography of the film is absolutely fantastic. It's beautiful all the way through. Um, the lighting's fantastic. The, uh, there's a lot of colour contrast between oranges and blues in certain shots, um, such as the scene where the um, Ophelia's mother goes to bed for the first time in their new home. And it's initially very, very orange and very kind of warm colours. And then as she then sits... Well, as, as Ophelia closes the bedroom door, she goes into the, uh, her mother's bedroom uh, to go to bed, and it goes very, very blue and very cold. Um, and it's things like that in the film are very, 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 very nice, um, especially when she climbs under the tree and things like that. And there's the um, the frog which she has to feed uh, these three stones to to get a key. Um, things like that just looked absolutely fantastic. The um, the camera work in the film was absolutely was really, really beautiful. Um, there's a lot of there's, a, there's, a, there's sections where the camera's moving behind trees, and that's how it transitions between scenes and they are absolutely flawless it, it works perfectly um, and that really does kind of make it for me personally um, I'd say overall I really enjoyed the film and I'd definitely say that anyone who hasn't seen it as I hadn't um, should definitely get themselves a copy preferably a blu-ray copy to um, see it's 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 stunning quality um, should definitely get a hold of it themselves and watch it um, thank you very much Hush, little baby, don't say a word Mama's gonna buy you a mockingbird So it's my turn to review a film that I've seen this week and I'm going to review the erotic revenge film Knock Knock Now if you go to the Need to Conceive website I have done a much further, longer version of this review uh, but essentially this film is utterly, utterly abysmal From start to finish it's a terrible, terrible film the acting is genuinely so awkward that people left the cinema. The script is clunky, it is redundant, it is cliched and awful. Uh, I'd say that Keanu Reeves is horribly, horribly miscast. You know, his early scenes where he's trying to be like a dad and trying to be kind of that kind of affectionate, fun dad is, is uh, horrendous. Uh, and then towards the end, when it all kind of go, all goes quite badly wrong, the sort of anger and rage feels so forced. It's it's terrible. The two girls, if you've seen the trailer, the two girls who break into his house and try and terrorise him, they're not bad, but they are served by a very bad script that kind of, on one hand, makes them very much in control sort of sociopaths, and the other hand makes them these infantile psychopaths, and swings between the two depending on what the story needs. It looks alright, but nothing special. I would say also you get into the murky world of gender politics with this film, and you've got terrible opinions about people that female uh, sexualization, female liberation is a trap for men, that male sexuality is as base and corrupt as, you know, just two girls will, uh, he, as soon as he can, he'll sleep with, th- have a threesome with two young girls. Um, it's just. 
awful in every way. There are random lines like about him being the 1% uh, versus 99%, which are kind of a throwaway line. And it just it had no clear message at all. And it didn't even have a good act nor plot to tie you along for that. I would say avoid at absolute all costs. Uh, and it's uh, Dan and Dave from the shed over at WGMA BPD podcast. When giant monsters attack, beautiful people die. And uh, we've, we've we've been asked to, 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 to talk about some films. Yeah. But God, we didn't know what to talk about, did we? No. I've, was... gone, with, I've gone with a recent watch. But Dan was. I just kind of. Well, I was going into a. I went into his craze. I did. It was crazy because I haven't really watched anything lately, apart from the Kingsman that we talked about and Seventh Son, which I fell asleep during. So it was quite tough. So I was thinking of you know, you know, you helped me take that memory lane trip down some of my favourite films and what we could talk about. And of course, Dan uh, very rudely forgot to say the Bones is also with us. There's oh, also yeah. slightly films. So we got three films to talk about. We, yeah. We won't. So I've gone with a Netflix picks pick. <laughs> Something I watched recently. Uh, on the Netflix The Skull from 1965 starring Peter Cushing Christopher Lee Patrick Wymark uh, and it's the story of like uh, it's a Hammer Horror movie and it's the story of a, a guy who collects um, you know black magic items and stuff he's, you know, he's interested like a scholar but he doesn't believe in these a things scholar. That's a scholar a scholar a scholar okay. he doesn't believe in these things you know he's like uh, that, that's, yes. that's Peter yeah. Cushing and um, he ends up getting hold of a, a possessed a skull that's said to be possessed by the um, the Marquis de Sade mm. or the Marquis de Sade was meant to be possessed by a demon and his skull still contains the demon yeah 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 but it's brilliant and, uh, and Christopher Lee is a, is a sort of rival collector of these things and um, the skull belonged to him but he tells it's just sound like a, is it, did you say it was a hammer is it a hammer yeah it is a hammer it's, what, it's what brilliant year, what year is this uh, 1965 okay. but um a lot of it's just set in rooms you know set in say Peter Cushing's uh, study So and he's just got collections of horrible like you know the, every shot has like a, a shrunken head in the front or you know there's just constantly a horrible satanic demonic yeah, yeah, yeah. thing about yeah and then there's another guy who's like the sort of um, the guy who gets them stuff and like he's, he's the one who's, he steals the skull of Christopher Lee gives it to gives it to Cushing kind of thing you know he's um, he's a good character. It's just, it's it's very small, but it's so well shot and the, the, you know colour. Yeah, and the, yeah, yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. I wouldn't say it doesn't in any way like re scare me, but Cush, Cushing's descent into like you know from being completely uh, yeah. A, yeah anti supernatural is completely turned. Yeah, it's just screaming and yeah, it's 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 a brilliant sort of yeah, downfall film. Pretty dark at yeah. the end, really. Didn't uh, I would hope so. So yeah, that was that was my that was my pick, and it's on the Netflix, so uh, you can watch it. Very good, very good. Well, my pick um, is the completely underrated um, nineteen ninety nine movie, Play It to the Bone, <laughs> and I'm picking Play It to the Bone because it was a we've we've talked about it before on the podcast. It's a, a film that I for years tried to get. David Carden here to watch. And I 
just got really stubborn about it because Dan, after explain, tries to get you to watch loads of stuff, and then this one just sort of stuck as a, a stubborn nah, nah, yeah. I'm not going to watch. It. And it was every time we watch so, a film, the comic played to the bone. So it's directed <laughs> by Ron Shelton, who um, who uh, did uh, White Men Can't Jump and Tin Cup, and they can't. Neither of which I've seen, actually, I'm embarrassed to say. But, I mean, this film gets... It's starring Woody Harrelson and Antonio Banderas, uh, and it's essentially a road movie uh, and a boxing movie. They're best buddies who've both um, lost their chances at the title fights in the past, and they're training together, and they're just good mates. And uh, they get the call, and they've got to go uh, to Madison Square Garden um, because the undercards of... Uh, both died <laughs> in hila- hilarious circumstances, <laughs> and it's basically it turns from they they've got to fight each other. The, the what they will win is a chance for a, a title fight, and um, they're taking this road trip together, and it's just the, the tense sort of psychology between the two of them. And it and Lucy Liu and Lucy Liu's in there. They pick up Lucy Liu, and they've also got um, Lolita Davidovich, who popped up in bloody. Backstrom the other day when yeah. we were watching it. I call that one, thank you. Yeah, but she was also in Breaking Bad, I think. Uh, though I might be wrong, she did look like that. I'm getting her confused with that junkie woman that turned up in Backstrom, who was also the junkie. No, she wasn't a junkie. <laughs> I'm confused. She was a junkie in Breaking Bad, but then she was um, the. You're going uh, on a tangent. I am I'm going on a. Pull you back oh, in uh, here. Thanks, Dan. thanks, Norm. I appreciate it. Because <laughs> this film, Play It to the Bone, that I'm talking about, it's great. I mean, you've got. The brilliant dynamic of the two. Woody Harrelson and Antonio Banderas are both brilliant. Antonio Banderas is played he's got a whole sort of uh, strict Catholic religious side. No, 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 he's he's an, he's an atheist and Woody Harrelson's thinks he's seen Jesus a few times. There's some good Jesus hallucination moments. Um That's a, it's a good film. And it's, and it's twelve percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Twelve percent on Rotten Tomatoes and on IMDB it gets 5.4 but no, it's a brilliant it's and, a brilliant and, and the thing is it builds up to a fight and unlike when you're getting that big exciting Rocky fight at the end of the end of Rocky or whatever it, it's as good as that but for me it was kind of better because you, you really don't know who's going to win and you're rooting for both of them and you're rooting for both of them and it's really it's just such a good fight it's just the way it goes from like comedy and stupidity to all of a sudden like flick of a switch and it's they've got to do it you know and, and it's so yeah it's, it's, it's so really well, well done. done really really there's well some done. great cameos at the end who sit down to watch the match you know and it be, and, it be, and it's just great so yeah play it to the bone I would like to recommend how did it get 12% on Rod uh, well only 78 people have voted so right. um, you know we need well, to knock that one up but um, honestly don't don't let Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb sway you in this case it is an underrated film it will make you laugh it may make you cry it's great and Lucy Liu is quite sexy. And Lucy Liu is very sexy. Yes. For an Asian prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> David. Yes, Dan. What film did you want to bring to the table? I thought to mention Anvil. Woo! The old classic. Obviously, uh, a real-life spinal tap documentary. Rockumentary, yeah. sorry. Yeah, 2008. 2008, like that, that long ago. And you two saw it before me. I, I sat down and watched it for the first time with you, you two, the second watch. And we still managed to shed a tear at the end. <laughs> God, that film get the, oh, gets man. my heart it's every got time. It's like the end of uh, it's like the end of It's a Wonderful Life. I always I cry at the end of it. You know. Oh, that oh, just it yeah. And it's weird that isn't it that analogy with Spinal Tap because the drummer and it's called Rob Reiner who was the same name as obviously the director of Spinal Tap was Rob Reiner. Really? Yeah. 
and his name's Rob. Only double B in his Rob. That's weird. Um, but it's it's sad. It's tragic, and you know they're not the brightest guys in the world, but but they they got such good. And they're hearts. so funny with it. And aren't it's they? just a yeah. sort of a story of a couple of guys in a band who didn't really have, have the know-how to make it they had the talent I guess but they, they had the they time didn't they they got they, shat on by they, every record in the 70s on, they were right? there in Japan with Megadeth right. and, it Bob, is. It it is. and yeah. they, were, they did the big yeah the big you've got like the big four yeah you've got like uh, at the beginning of the of the of the Rocky Men we've got like Slash and you've got Lars um fuck Ulrich and uh, got Lemmy Scott sort Eve. of like giving the praise of how good they were and how they influenced many bands of the time thrash metal and blah 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 but they just got left behind sometime um, for some reason and nobody quite knows why but you sort of do work out why when you see them as they are because the god bless them they're, they're not the brightest sparks in the no. and they were stuck up in Canada as well yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Which but, didn't help. But, and uh, it's all about their sort of like their struggle they're just working regular jobs and skint and this this dream to get back uh, to the, the big time and not just oh, dream they have like absolute like well he has just belief just, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, unwavering it's, belief. It's quite tragic the situation they're in. You know, the, you know the, yeah, they could have made it. And yet he's just working his crappy job or whatever. Yeah. But like, it, it's such a feel-good film, and that he's just it's, still so yeah. like. It is the best feel-good movie. And when you know, they come on uh, in front of a packed house towards the end in Tokyo. It's just like, it's, yes, it's it great. It is, great. <laughs> it is so good. It's funny, I was watching... Um, metal on Metal, by the and way. He let the yeah. direct, don't they let the director... Uh, he comes up and drums for them. Yeah, well, the, the director yeah. was like a, it was like a lifetime fan, wasn't yeah. But oh. there's loads of funny characters along the way. There's that guy, there's two guys that howl like dogs. Oh, yeah. like howl dogs! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's funny, because there's a really sort of heartfelt bit where he has to borrow 12 grand off his uh, sister to get, like, to do... Um, put an album together. And obviously, we all know that guys in Anvil now, since the documentary, they all they've been headlining lots of festivals, and obviously they're making probably good money now. But there was a, I saw an interview um, a few weeks ago, and the interviewer said, "Like, so did you did you finally manage to pay your sister back?" <laughs> and he went, "Some of it." It's <laughs> 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 like you bastards! Oh, How can dear. you not pay her back? He's oh. probably not making that much money. There must have been quite a bit of of DVD sales and of. Who well, knows? That that bit does make me cry, though. Yeah. So there you go. That was our little roundup, wasn't it? That yeah. we were only supposed to go on for a few minutes. Yeah, we've probably gone a bit too long. Uh, but, so uh, apologies. It was a pleasure to uh, to give our movie thoughts um, on the wonderful Prestige podcast. So that's it for our podcast this week. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, it's been something different for us, and uh, we might do a few more of these in the future if people aren't here from one week to the next. But hopefully next week we'll be back, me and Sam, and we're talking about the movie Flight. See you then. is a Kaiju Industries production. Check out their other work at facebook.com forward slash Kaiju Industries. Rawr! Arg.